But yeah, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to watch The Cloverfield Paradox. Sorry, I just get so excited. I just think this is so cool. This is what a great world, new world we're living in, where it's like, um, just like drop drop a movie trailer out of nowhere. And it's like, hey, go watch the movie. And it's like, this is exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, it's exciting. And, and it we're, also not, we're on our couch. really helps our podcast that Netflix are now releasing movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It means that we don't... our podcast. Our podcast, the whole idea of our podcast. <laughs> we're supposed to be out walking. Yeah, but we don't have a babysitter and this is a brand new movie and all of yes. our listeners appear to have Netflix. It so is very convenient. If you don't have Netflix, let us know. We'd be interested. Okay, now we're off to Netflix and chill a mile. We're, stop, we're not off to Netflix and Chilamar. <laughs> we're, sit, we're, we're sitting on the couch. I'm trying also, to end this what intro. What an awkward sentence that was. <laughs> okay, we're off to Netflix and Chilamar. <laughs> that was Dave and Kathy from one of my favorite podcasts, The Cinemile, which, as you can tell from their brief-ish introduction to the Cloverfield Paradox, which is also the subject of this episode of Mark as Played. Netflix is not only changing the idea of what the movie-going experience is, but apparently having an effect on a podcast whose premise is to walk to the theater, have a conversation about what you expect to see, and then walk back about what you've seen. Well, one of us has seen Cloverfield Paradox. The other one, not going to name names, but uh, it may be me, fell asleep. We're not going to do a review of the movie, but we are going to talk about the conversation around it. Because that's what we do here on Mark S. Played, the movie podcast about movie podcast, where we hope to direct you to some other cool conversations going on in the community. So the first one you heard very briefly is the cinema. Make sure to give them a follow and a subscribe. That'll be in the show notes. And soon my co-host for this episode will have another podcast recommendation. But for now, here's that trailer that sent everyone buzz ever so briefly on Super Bowl Sunday for the Cloverfield Paradox. After that, our conversation. Sick of only seeing you on a screen. One, one, one. Please, God. <laughs> Be on our side. Standing by for your go. Turn that shit on. Fingers crossed. What the hell is happening? The Earth. It's gone. It's big, blue, full of angry people. Keep looking, you'll find it. My God. So I didn't finish this thing. I fell asleep. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I I was falling asleep, but I loved it. Okay, well, good. We'll have uh, different takes there then. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a piece of shit. Don't get me oh, wrong. Okay. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe it turned it around, but uh, by the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's perfect. It's perfect the way it is. <laughs> so welcome back to another episode of Mark S. Played. And uh, joining me, Michael Denniston, is uh, 
Jason Michael of Atlantic Screen Connection. And I'm trying to think. I think the last time we did this was for uh, Justice League. Was that the last one we did together for Marcus Played? No, man. We did the Christmas one. Oh, I don't care. That. That, was, that was everybody but Dave. You know, only, only Dave was the outcast there. This is I'm trying to give people something special. Just a Mike and Jason joint here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. I think it does go back to Justice League. That could be for Marcus Played. Yeah, because I did one with Andrew uh, on the post, which uh, seems to have been lost in the mail. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the epic that he's constantly tinkering with. So maybe we'll be ready for Ready Player One, uh, another uh, sci-fi property. Um, so the reason I, I wanted to bring up Justice League was, you know, that was a film that uh, was not well received and had a troubled uh, production and right. had a huge fan base that was anticipating its release. Uh, a lot of detractors, usually in the critical community, and then uh, a lot of, I don't call them fanboys, but uh, because I, I found some some charm to that film. But there were a lot of people that were finally happy to see uh, these characters they've loved for years on the screen again. So uh, a little bit different with Cloverfield in that, you know, the nature of the series is that we don't have characters that we know and love. It's just a constant refresh, reboot. It's a uh, it's an attempt at a Twilight Zone property, except in film. <laughs> and uh, I can tell Jason, you know, he's already chuckling at that. Uh, uh, that's probably uh, an understatement to say it's not quite accomplishing what uh, Twilight Zone did with the three films that have come out over the last decade. Oh man, listen, I, 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 you put me on the spot with regards to Twilight. I haven't watched any Twilight Zone because I, I tried watching one episode and I was like, "Fuck this!" Oh, you're uh, the I opposite. Then. How dare you, sir? How dare you take a classic, classic of a television from the golden age? I'll, I'll give it a shot eventually. The thing is, is that it, as much as I admire Lynch's way of making things, or even like uh, you know, or a Lynchian concept, if you will. Because uh, I know he's in Twin Peaks and the Twilight Zone and all that stuff. It kind of mixes where you're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And most of the time you're like, I don't really get it. It kind of rubs me the wrong way most of the time. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, um, however, I mean, if we're going to be launching into this <laughs> Cloverfield paradox, this is one that I actually had fun with because of the fact that it didn't make sense. <laughs> but it made it made me laugh, which is why I got something out of it. Whereas like the Twilight Zone or even uh, Twin Peaks, uh, I'd always be kind of like, I kind of felt like uh, someone's playing a weird trick on me and trying to say like, there's nothing to get, but do you get it? And I'm like, Oh Christ, this is making me feel uncomfortable. Whereas okay. I didn't get that with, with this one. So I'm assuming you're not uh, such a Cloverfield fan that you're playing like the uh, alternate reality game. You're following the production history. You're trying to parse together what the titles mean or what, you know, how this will relate to the next film. You're, you're just saying this is sort of a fun, trashy sci-fi movie. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't follow any of that stuff. Uh, I remember like the, the buzz that came out of the first film, you know, and the fact that, you know, the, the, the marketing campaign they had behind that. I thought it was really, really fun. I hadn't seen something like that since the Blair Witch Project, which was kind of fun because now they're mixing, you know, genres with regards to found footage. And I thought it was great. You know, I didn't see it in the movie theater. I'd heard, heard about it. But then after that, I... um. I think I rented it on uh, on DVD at the time and sat through it. And I... I was kind of uh, pleased with the fact that it was such a short runtime because of the way that the camera was moving around. It could be quite nauseating as an experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it was great. I thought it was a really fun twist on on that found footage genre, and it was cool. Um, then when 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, 
I was wondering how the hell they would have kind of were going to bridge that gap between those two movies because one seemed like a bottle episode in a TV series where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, it's going to be one location, everything's going to be shot there. Uh, you know, but I mean, John Goodman to me, I'll tune into pretty much anything that that guy does. I really like his 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 presence on screen. It's always familiar, and you know that he's going to you know kind of bring his A game to pretty much everything. It doesn't seem like he's phoning it in any time, and I can even vouch for him in Kong Skull Island uh, from last year, which was you know he was he was great in it, even if the movie was subpar in my opinion. But yeah, I love Ten Cloverfield Lane as well for the fact that you know there was that claustrophobic element, and I felt it throughout. Uh, so I mean, I didn't have any expectations. I wasn't following this in any way, and so when someone said, "Hey, Cloverfield Paradox just is going to drop on Netflix," you know, three hours after they put that that you know that 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 trailer out, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't even bother watching the trailer." I was like, "All right, cool." Well, everyone seems to be talking about it. I got swept into the whole marketing about it, you know, and then I I just digested it like everybody else. I'm going to flush the rest out when I'm done. So yeah, I'm know. I'm like you in the sense that. I was watching the game and I did see the uh, the trailer as as such, um, which I, I believe ended with you know coming very soon. I, I'm pretty sure for network reasons that uh, NBC or whoever was airing the game wouldn't allow them to be like, hey, right after the game because they have their own programming. You know, they have an episode of uh, This Is Us that they're heavily marketing to be right after the game. But as right, you're saying, yeah. the uh, the you know film Twitter and the internet blew up <laughs> with um with this idea that hey you know netflix is saying no no it's right after the game on their account so yeah, yeah at that point if you've not seen the trailer no need if you have any interest just click on it it's right there for you it's it, presumably everyone has has netflix so uh a little bit of my history with the cloverfield series i despised the first one i i thought okay. it was damn near unwatchable i actually thought the characters uh more so just in the style of the film because i i'm a long time hater of uh, tj miller and like everything he pops up in and I he just, was in that. I didn't even remember that, man. See, <laughs> hey, I believe he's the guy for the most part wielding the camera. So he's the guy giving most of the running commentary, which is just terrible for me that he's the one doing okay, most of the talking. I don't even remember that. <laughs> uh, well, good. You know, no need to revisit. You don't need to go through that. Um, and then, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, that one got a lot more critical praise than I believe the first Cloverfield, which was more, I guess, for, for fans and young people. Um, because of John Goodman, because of that, as you said, that bottle episode, you know, it was sort of a throwback thriller. Um, and the thing that bothered me most about that film was its attachment to Cloverfield, the fact that it was a Cloverfield movie, because I felt like it removed most of the tension that you're feeling in that cellar about, hey, this guy seems crazy, but since this is titled Cloverfield, he's probably right, right? There's probably something out there, like you know, what I mean? yeah. like if you'd called it the seller, I would have been like, "Dude, this guy's the villain." But um, <laughs> I don't think that applies with this one. Obviously, you're going to throw it up in space. I'm like, okay, cool, Cloverfield. I don't really know which direction they'll go with it, uh, but it's a sci-fi movie, so I think this is perfectly fine. I think the problem that I'm having with uh, the last two in particular, and it, as I said, it sort of affected my enjoyment of the other one as far as expecting an ending that the character herself doesn't expect. Uh, is okay how does this relate to cloverfield that's the one thing netflix i think in their trailer was trying to set up was like you know you you uh discovered a monster on earth you know 10 years ago now we're going to reveal right. its origin and i think it's a little bit unfair to put that on a movie that was never written with the intention to be a cloverfield thing it's just something paramount bought and then it was like all right um let's tell this cloverfield because that'll get more eyeballs on this 
And so I don't know if the fans of Cloverfield are just very forgiving or if they're going to become increasingly frustrated if Paramount keeps buying these spec scripts and then just adding a little bit of Cloverfieldness to the film. Did that did that affect um, you at all? I mean, not as someone who's no, a super man. Cloverfield fan. Nah, I think that this is following along the lines of, um, you know, uh, Saw movies. You know what I mean? And not, not, all <laughs> not of the them highest are, praise. <laughs> no, I know. But, I mean, they, they have a specific fan base that are, like, they really enjoy those movies and they really want to see more Jigsaw. And at the same time, the movies themselves, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the first one either. I thought it was a really bad movie. Uh, and, I mean, it, they just got progressively worse apparently. So, I don't know. I watched the second one. and I, You could kind of call the shots pretty much throughout the entire thing, which I think kind of blows. Whereas this is where I'm finding it fun is that Cloverfield is just a surprise after surprise. You don't know where this is going. And I think that I, I enjoy the fact that I have no control or no speculation that I can get into. I just have to be a witness to whatever the hell they're doing. And so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want them to go as campy as the Asylum films, but I think that Paradox kind of is a tribute to all of sci-fi. And in that way, that's what I thought was kind of fun with it. So I'm not going to really hold it to any standard because like you said, the first movie, you, you didn't like it. I did I, for the, probably for, the, for, for different reasons. I was just kind of – I liked the idea. I like the idea that you had to watch closely, especially with that last scene, because I remember watching the movie for the first time and going like, what the fuck is that? And I was working at HMV at the time, and my my TV screen was like a 20-inch regular TV screen at home, so I hadn't seen that little part. And then here I am, they're playing on the screen at work on these nice giant flat screens in the store, and then I see that thing fall from the sky, and I'm like, the fuck is that? <laughs> and, you know, I kind of went home, watched the DVD again, and I was like, oh, look at that. That's actually kind of neat. That's one little thing that you need to pick up on, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, it, it wasn't as obvious as, you know, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane when you get to the end and you're like, is she going to just like throw that car down that thing's throat? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's kind of odd. I, I didn't see it going this way, but right. at the same time, I love the fact that John Goodman was proven right. Um, and I mean, Paradox just follows along those lines where you're like, what the fuck is going on? I have no idea where this is going, how it's supposed to be. I don't understand why it's as campy as it is compared to, let's say, the second film that was a little bit more artsy, if you Mm -hmm. want to put it that way. But I don't have any issue with it, to be honest. I mean, it's a bad movie, but it's a good bad movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) What what are the uh, traits of a good bad movie for you? I'm just assuming just pure entertainment value for one. Um, I think that a good, bad movie for me would, would, uh, I I like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you my experience in watching Paradox. I was sitting there and I liked the fact that the ship was designed, uh, the way it was because I felt there was a callback a little bit to the Ferris wheel in the first movie. So I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. The fact that they're on a Ferris wheel of their own. So that's kind of interestingly clever. Um, I, uh, I love the campiness, the way that the script is written is terrible. Uh, but at the same time, it's terribly bad but in a good way so that kind of brings me to like um, old corman films from like the 70s and 80s you know so like forbidden world or star crash or even um i don't know uh let's see or me even going back to like the, the the campy movies of the 50s you know so you have movies like you know uh when worlds collide or war of the worlds or invasions of the body snatchers or even like, it comes from outer space it seemed to be wearing those references on its sleeve quite a bit and also the fact that you know you could pull things from uh, fifth element you could see things from looper in there godzilla 2014 uh, uh 2014 
uh, even Event Horizon and obviously Alien and all that. And so I, I kind of thought it was fun for them to just be like, this is the paradox. The paradox itself isn't about the movie is that we're going to be combining all these elements together and we're going to be kind of shuffling the cards when it comes to sci-fi. And I thought that was kind of daring. It it falls flat on his face, but at the same time, I can't fault them for actually trying to do something fun with it, you know? So yeah, I mean, the script, the lines, everything. Like, uh, I'm 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 a huge fan of Chris O'Dowd. I love the guy's charm. I think he's fantastic. But in this movie, he just doesn't work. He's just kind of like a, a dumb idiot scientist, and you're like, <laughs> it doesn't seem to to come across too well. And I mean, the sequence with his arm is just one of those things. Where I was like, that's kind of funny when I think about it, but. When they cut open the, the Russian dude and all the worms come out and he's like, oh, that's where the worms are. You're like, dude, don't. You edit that line out. You don't keep mm. it in the movie unless you want to prove the point that we're going for camp in right. this case and not necessarily for for hardcore science fiction. Well, I mean, so. he's from he's from Ireland, so you can't trust any of those those people. You can't you, you would never want to have long form conversations with an Irishman, right? At all. Ever. Oh no, never! You know, especially not like, from the. I, I know there's a weird clan called the Brady Clan over there. Oh. They're they're particularly obnoxious individuals. But anyway, shout that's out to here, you know. Atlantic Screen Connection, obviously. So <laughs> hello, Lee, if you're listening. <laughs> um, okay, for me, the paradox was. Um, I'll just be upfront about this. I told you about it uh, before we started recording. Because I fell asleep during this because uh, I was watching it last you night. Should. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't have strong feelings like, oh, this is offending uh, my sensibilities. But uh, clearly it didn't grab me and it probably – I wouldn't have fallen asleep in the theater for one. So that's the thing I thought about this morning because I, I set my alarm uh, and this is where I made my decision. I set my alarm for uh, about two hours before we're going to record to try to finish this up, to get my time to get ready because I'm going to go to work after this. <laughs> and, <that> go? <laughs> well, I tell you what, the morning Mike was like, fuck that. Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know, last night I was like, okay, you know, I'm kind of intrigued by this, you know, clearly not enough to like power through. It's been a long day, uh, but I'll pick it up in the morning. But morning Mike was like, that movie sucks. It's not that good. I'm not getting up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, I will finish it up, unfortunately, you know, but that's not really the point of this conversation of what you and I had sort of discussed as far as how to approach this from a Marcus played angle, which is like sort of the conversation around the movie, not a review of it review of it itself which is good because i didn't see the damn thing but um <laughs> obviously if this had been in theaters i would not have fallen asleep right and i would have i don't know if i would have been excited because as i said i'm i was not a fan of the previous two cloverfield films but by their very nature they're a reset every time so i like sci-fi movies so every time i can go back to the table and be like well maybe this one's for me um with it being on Netflix, though, it's weird to me that, you know, there was a, such a fan base for it. And Ten Cloverfield Lane was a nice surprise hit. Like, you know, they dropped the trailer, I think, like a month and a half before. Somewhere in that two-month window, they announced, hey, there's a new Cloverfield movie. People got excited. Right. Critically well-received. Box office hit. You would think, okay, now they've got something. Paramount, like everyone else, is looking for a franchise. Um, Transformers on its way down. So they're going to have this little thing that they can release on the cheap. So I was reading that this started with like a $5 million budget and then ballooned to about 40, which I guess probably put uh, some unreasonable expectations on it as far as how much it could make. Um, Look at the cast involved, man. I mean, you got to pay those guys. I guess. I mean, I, and I, you know, that's one thing I did read on Twitter and I agree with because I, I did not know much about it, uh, except that, uh, Mbothara was in it, who I'm, I'm a fan of. I like her as an, as an actress. Uh, mm. but, you know, 
it's it's to the uh, the plot of the film that they're having an international cast, international space station, and you know that yeah. is refreshing to see on on screen. Uh, yeah. I do wish that the movie that's not was... in Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that this film did not get a theatrical release it it speaks to something to me that there's a really diehard online film Twitter film community fan base for the Cloverfield films, but clearly Paramount thought this is some this is like basically a straight to video option. Now it's a little bit higher end because Netflix is far more successful, but we've seen this before with properties that Netflix acquires and they're having a big problem as far as trying to market their original movie content as opposed to series to people. Right. And I did think the Super Bowl thing was, was excellent. I mean, they, they laid out the bucks as far as, I don't know how expensive those things are, but I think it's, you know, four or $5 million, five million, five yeah. million for 30 seconds. So, and I thought that was very cool to say, Hey, this is coming now tonight. And I like that's something we've not really experienced before as far as like a new feature film. Right. I don't know. Of course, with Netflix, you're never going to know the metrics because you can't really believe them because they sort of guard those like state secrets as far as, you know, what right. the stats yeah, are. Yeah. But I also, as much as cool as I found it, I found it a little depressing. If you're a Cloverfield fan that you are getting the modern straight to video sort of release as opposed to getting that theatrical experience because you have to assume that. These movies are fun with that element of surprise to go see with a big crowd and audience to not know exactly what you're buying a ticket for yet. Uh, see, that that's where you and I differ. Um, I wouldn't have paid to go see this in the movie theater because I didn't even pay to see the other ones. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that yeah, you have to take this uh, in two different directions for me specifically. I mean, you, you, live in, you live in Kentucky. I live in Quebec City. And like I, I've mentioned this a couple of times before, most of the time when movies come to Quebec City, I don't get the English language and the theater experience here is kind of shitty. Uh, you know, so most of the time what they're going to do is they're going to have like uh, screenings for senior citizens at somewhere like, uh, you know, one or 2 PM, you know, just before or after nap time, depending on what, you know, what kind of senior citizen you are, I like or they're going to have the, the vampire crowd where the movie's going to be playing at like 1030 at night. But I got two kids at home and right. I have to wake up in the morning and make their lunch and send them off to school. So I can't make it to those screenings because one, I'm working that afternoon or two, I'm too fucking tired from having worked. You know, so if it was on, like, let's say at, at, at 7 p.m. or 6.30 p.m., I'd be like, okay, cool. But they can't tailor their schedules according to one Anglophone living in the city of Quebec. They have to really go for the market, and the market is uh, predominantly French, or uh, not even predominantly French, just flat-out French. Mm -hmm. And so I have to become choosy as to what I'm going to uh, go see, you know, and Cloverfield – Sadly, is one of those things that I like having to watch at home on my own time because I know I'm not going to really review the film. I'm going to just have a good time for myself and I don't necessarily need to see it in a movie theater. And so um, I remember when 10 Cloverfield Lane uh, came out, I was like, hey, I can't wait for that to come out on Blu-ray. I'll just pick that up <laughs> when it comes there. You know, I don't necessarily need to go out and see it. So it's not devaluing you know? so, the experience for you, the fact that this was a Netflix premiere. Um, not at all. You know, I, I thought it was kind of great uh, for them to do that type of thing. Um, I understand the, the, the complaint or the, you know, the, the straight to video component, but I think this is a very different beast. I mean, we're not talking about like Disney releasing Aladdin's, Two, you know, uh, the Return of Jafar, or something like that, straight to video, when you're you're like, okay, they're really cashing in 
you know, on, on kids, basically. They're advertising this for kids, and then parents are going to be like, all right, fine, I'll get it for you. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Cloverfield is really designed for an adult audience, and I think that as an adult myself, I like to have options, you know. So having to go out and spend money on a movie that's like this, I don't know exactly, especially given the fact, like I said, the movie going experience now has kind of a little bit it's kind of shitty, to be honest, especially where I, actually I live. I agree with you there. Um, I, I, you know, I've had conversations before. I don't know if any of it's made an actual podcast edit because it's usually us just shooting the shit after we uh, you know, get down to business and talk about the film we're supposed to talk about. Uh, but I, I've told you that uh, like recently Phantom Thread uh, came about a week early in one theater in my town right, and there's yeah, the other right. one across town that's, you know, that, that's going to be add that's going to add 40 minutes to my experience, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. And uh, I waited because with the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I'm like, I don't want to take that risk that this is not going to be projected correctly. Uh, it's going to yeah. be off. It's going to be too dark. Um, so I get that. On the other hand, I would, I think I would probably be uh, appalled if <laughs> there was a Super Bowl announcement and let's just say Phantom Thread somehow Netflix acquired it and they're like, coming tonight, a new film from Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to, you know, as you said, Cloverfield's a very different beast. It's it's not uh, clearly it's not uh, sort of an auteur's vision here because the script was taken and then they applied the Cloverfield. They put the title all over it, which from what I did see, that did kind of bother me. That uh, right. <laughs> the credit sequence, man, was just like I was like, when is this going to be over? And then it's like eleven minutes in when they're like the Cloverfield paradox, and then we're almost immediately cutting to. Uh, some dude on a uh, – it's a TV actor. I think his name is Loge, Logue, on a like computer screen that's like, you know, the paradox of this, the paradox of this, the paradox. I'm like, yes, we understand what <laughs> what is going on. We got it. I mean, know what crowd they're playing too much. <laughs> I think that's – I do think it's strange though because I feel like the Cloverfield fans are like so invested that they follow along that uh, – I actually think they're they're trying to prop this up as like a new Twilight Zone since that this is for like a smarter crowd, but I I don't think the the actual output warrants that given what they oh, focused no, on. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of desire here from the fan base, so I I kind of feel for them in the sense that they're not getting that theatrical experience. I do think there's another one supposedly coming out this year that Paramount is still going to release theatrically, so I don't know if this will become like the bastard son that was on Netflix. Uh, but maybe more people will check it out. Uh, I don't know. But you you said you had uh, you checked out a podcast that sort of talked about that the actual like the release model of of this going to Netflix. Yeah, I have I have a I, I listened to a podcast and I also have a, a, a quote. I asked Lee to send me something uh, just a little bit in written form. So I'll read this before I get to the podcast I listened to. Okay. In terms of making movies accessible for everyone. I just want to hit back on what you were talking about in terms of like Phantom Thread and the whole auteur experience. And I think it kind of ties into um, what Lee was saying. And Lee, what Lee said to me, and he sent this to me just before we started recording, he said, I'll take accessibility in all its forms. I think it's more important people can see great and important films as easily as possible. So I'm happy for the theater to become a niche experience for enthusiasts so long as more people get their hands on more good material more readily. And I think that's kind of cool. I think I kind of agree with that. I mean, I would love to see a 70 millimeter projection of Phantom Thread in Quebec City. Mm -hmm. But as the conversation that we had, it's showing in the shittiest movie theater in town where, you know, the exit signs are shining on the screen, uh, you know, and because of the fact that they built the room wrong, 
you know, the projector is kind of in the middle of the room, so it hides the back seats. And in order to keep the image there, you can actually see that it's letterboxed. You know, it's only shining on the bottom part of the screen. And I mean, I don't want to see a Paul Thomas Anderson film that way. You know, put it, if anything, I would love IMAX to work with Anderson right, so that right. I could watch Phantom Thread on the IMAX screen here in Quebec City because I have nothing but positive things to say about IMAX. Yes, it costs a lot of money, but at the same time, it's money I'm willing to shell out. You know, if I want to take my family to see a movie, it costs me $75 a pop, you know, and the experience blows because not only are the people in this in, in the movie theater idiots, they talk throughout the phones are on or whatnot, you know, it's, and the, just the projection sucks as well. You know what I mean? So, but uh, that's why like for a movie like Cloverfield, for me personally, I was happy that I was able to see it right away. And the, the movie chemists, the guys, I, I forgot to take down their names. They love how it went to Netflix as well because of accessibility. It's really cool that J.J. Abrams does these secret projects like this, especially, especially in this day of age where, you know, everything leaks out. You know, you see, you see 10 days into Spider-Man production. Oh, look, it's a picture of Spider-Man. You know, it's already on the net. It kind of kills the mystique in movies. So I really like how this movie came about. You know, they kind of shot this movie as a movie called God Particle. And then they turned it into a Cloverfield Universe movie and they released it out of fucking nowhere. That came out of nowhere last night. When I saw that, I was fucking pumped. What, what do you, well, how'd you feel about that? I was pumped. Uh, I couldn't wait to get home and watch the movie. <clears throat> I stayed up until one in the morning watching it. And that's why I'm so fucking tired right now. And I dragged ass at work all day because of fucking Cloverfield Paradox. And. Literally, like the simplest task today, I was—I couldn't do them because I was—I was exhausted. But anyways, uh, yeah, the the viral marketing was fucking great. You sent me that picture of you know available after the game, so I was so pumped. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let me hear your thoughts. Uh, so the movie, it it turns out it's not really a direct sequel. It turns out it's another. It's a prequel. Yeah. It, no, it definitely takes place. See, we're gonna argue about this. Because it's definitely not a prequel. They were using some technology that definitely happened after 2008. So that's why it, this... Okay. First of all, let me just tell you guys the plot. And then we'll argue about this because it, it's a confusing fucking movie. It's it's pretty bad also. Um, so yeah, this movie... So you didn't like it? No, I thought it was garbage. You know, I think that that was... Um, one of the things that they wanted to talk about is just the fact that when they were watching the game, they saw the ad and they were like, holy shit, that means I can actually stay up after the Super Bowl and watch a movie I'm excited to see. Now, Same. they go Young on to game, say how... I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, didn't, I didn't do that either. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they were both disappointed in the film and uh, that's all right. They're allowed to be. But, you know, I, I, was, um, I, was, I was happy to see that there was no real uh, pushback. I mean, I know that there are critics like David Ehrlich online that are like, oh... It, it sucks to see the Netflix logo show up on a cinema screen in a movie theater. And I think that that slowly with, with, with time is just going to dissipate. We're going to see that is. Uh, well, anyway, you know, I don't really I mean, want to get into it. <laughs> if Renee came out of the woodwork and just gave him a bitch slap, she says, why is that? It's a movie. You know, it's a film. <laughs> Watch the fucking film. Who cares about the logo? Since when did you guys parry, you know? Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've never been like, oh, fuck that damn universal logo again. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't care. And if he's getting, sit it, if he's getting to see it in the theater, there are probably a lot of Cloverfield fans that would be like, Hey man, I would like to have had that experience. Like, you know, you're getting like a little yeah, specialty well, I, thing. It, 
Yeah, it wasn't Cloverfield. It was some other thing. He went to uh, uh, Sundance, I think, and you know, Netflix film was playing there. But oh wow, anyhow. what a troubled life he leads. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible, man. I, I, I go to sleep at night and I cry myself to sleep. Poor David Ehrlich that has to see a giant Netflix logo. <laughs> um, well, it's uh, one other thing I want to talk about with it being on Netflix. You know, I said maybe, and I I can't predict because I, I assume a lot of people. Well, at least check this out. I mean, I think the problem with, you know, something being on Netflix and the possible disposability of it all is it's just like, uh, it's not much different than it being your old, like, uh, pay TV movie channels, like on HBO. Yeah, yeah. Like back in, you know, our youth, you know, you might start something, then you'd be like, ah, eh, whatever, I'm checking out. You know, you're clearly, there have been, there's a history of, uh, when you're at your home, you're going to treat film a little bit differently, unless you're like, a, <laughs> and I know people in the podcast community, like the, they get onto me that I'm the person that I start something and I check out and I'm like, nah, that's not for me. I'm going to, I've got to spend my time somewhere else, but there are some people that treat anything that they start. They're like going to finish it, like gritting their teeth. Like I will give them my full two hours and then I'm going to bitch about it later. That That's not me. Um, but I do wonder yeah. if, this Cloverfield being on Netflix, like, cause part of the conversation is going to be lost here, obviously. And a lot of the conversation around films for cinephiles is that anticipation leading up to it. And the fact that it does play in theaters and people are catching up with it at different times. Uh, I think it extends the life of a film. And I don't know yeah, that's what a good point. I don't know what the life timeline is for a Netflix original. I feel like there's a lot of talk, like, that sort of week release and especially with Cloverfield, it's even shortened because people didn't know it was coming. So it was like, you know, you had the soup bowl to tweet about it. And then now I feel like this one's going to disappear. I don't, I don't know what it's uh history is going to be, or if it's going to stay in people's heads as much as something like 10 Cloverfield lane. Um, I think that, you know, for the, the, the film Twitter crowd, 10 Cloverfield lane is going to remain the best one. However, I think that, you know, there, there's a, a potential showgirls, fan base out there for Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, I love this. <laughs> if only we could get that as a pull quote, if we could send that along to Netflix. <laughs> Here's your second wave of marketing from Jason Michael. I, well, that's the thing. I think, I think I, like I said, to me, I don't think that this was designed to be a serious film. I think that this, at the base, at the root, is a fucking comedy. And I love it for that. I think that it's campy in that wonderful, wonderful way. And I'll be honest with you, I finished it last night, and I was falling asleep too, by the way. I think this place is a fucking comedy, and I love it for that. Oh. <laughs> Siri. Siri's got something to say. She wants to jump in. Uh, hey, Siri, I spell I think this place is a fucking comedy, and I love it for that. Now, Sorry, Siri, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, turn this bitch off. <laughs> Look, she just yeah, wants to be so, part of it. Yeah, I it's understand. A... I mean, to each, you know, wait your turn there, Siri. Uh, I'm with Mike for now. Get your own podcast, Siri. Don't be jealous. I'd, I'd listen to that. And just a bunch of people just like, hey, Siri, and then, you know, whatever the hell comes out. But, um, Oh, I, I lost what I was saying. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was falling asleep on it too, by the way. Uh, I, I'm a bit of a pussy when it comes to watching things that are kind of horror elements and whatnot. Mm. And so my girlfriend was sitting on the couch with me and I said, hey, do you want to watch the, the new Cloverfield movie? And she was like, oh, sure, let's let's start it. But she's like you. And when she checks out, she's like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm more of one of those guys that, that tries to you know push through. Soldiers but through the whole I, thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm slowly going to – like I said to you, I'm, uh, like social media, I'm, I'm developing the Michael Denniston diet of social media. I might do that with movies too uh, because I remember walking out of Jurassic World and it felt great. 
Um, <laughs> the uh, the um, but with this one, I I got so enthused by the ridiculousness of everything that was going on that I kind of want to watch it again. And that's the thing. And I don't, I don't think it's a punishing movie. I think it's just one of those movies that I, I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And that's where I think that maybe Netflix might be losing out with that community experience that you're talking about. I think that if they could get that crowd in those seats where they're just like kind of playing along with what's going on, it would be a really fun experience. It was like, oh, my God, these people are so fucking dumb. What the hell's going on with that arm? Right. You know, all that stuff I think is great. I mean, um, and I, I do, I do think that a lot of it is playing for laughs. And so, you know, uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. You know, maybe uh, if ever, you know, they decide to put out that that fourth movie, I don't know if they're going to have a marathon where they're going to play all mm, the Cloverfield yeah. in a row, which could be an interesting experience, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But yeah, I think that um, it, it's 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 very hard to decide. You know whether or not the theater experience is something that's good anymore, because I feel like a lot of uh, what goes down is just the places themselves where they're screening these movies are going to have to start taking some sort of responsibility because we're going to see more of these releases because of the fact that just going to the movies, not only is it expensive and it's expensive for no reason, it's like the people that are actually showing these movies don't give a shit about what they're showing. And that kind of blows because, you know, we're, we're, we're not the common cinephiles. We're not like my mom and dad who are going to go to the movies. And I did go to the movies uh, in Fredericton when I went to see Baby Driver this summer. And I had gone the previous summer. And I kid you not, that place was just dirtier. And I mean, just sitting down in a dirty movie theater, you're like, come on, man. We're not screening porn. These are good films. You should be kind of putting a little bit of effort into it in order to market this thing. The companies that are putting out these movies – are doing an insane job to try to get butts and seats. But once you're there and if you're uncomfortable, it doesn't really want – you don't really want to go back. Right. So, I mean, the products themselves, I'm completely behind. It's just that the where they're showing them is terrible now. And so that's why I think that a place like Netflix where they decided to put a movie like Paradox out there, I was like, oh, good. I don't have to go give my money to those fucking assholes that are going to ruin my experience. I can watch this at home. And kind of just be not necessarily in my own things, but at least I know it's a clean place. It's a, a fun place where there's going to be silence if I want it. People are going to respect it. And I'm I'm the only one there. My girlfriend decided to go away. That was fine. But she didn't make a stink about it. This fucking sucks. Or, you know, <laughs> just make noise while I was watching the movie or anything like that. You know, just, just chuck it shit at the screen. <laughs> I, I tell you what, there would have been something uh, charming, at least on my end, if she was – banging pots or something just, <laughs> just to fuck with you i would have would have approved but i, I know yeah. what you're saying um and you know there is a certain savior quality to what netflix did here because clearly i think the uh paramount's release date shifted i think there were four different times they they pushed this back because they didn't have confidence in it uh and and okay. you know and what you're Which saying makes sense. yeah yeah i mean based on the the critical reviews and even you're saying you're enjoying it in a sort of uh, showgirls like sort of camp way, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. they were afraid this would uh, do something bad to the, their brand um, coming after the critical praise that 10 Cloverfield Lane got. Um, and now it sort of absolves them of that. Cause I think they're going to move forward with this fourth film. Uh, Netflix, yeah. you know, as much as I complain about them, cause uh, they were sort of the savior of uh, the Brad Pitt uh, movie uh, war machine. 
which was like a uh, you know supposed to be sort of a prestige project of sorts, yeah, and yeah. that came out and you know did not do well critically either. Um, I think they're going to go the opposite way. I think the the with Annihilation, the Natalie Portman uh, Garland joint that's coming out and yeah i heard about that yeah well you know the thing i read because i I did see people up in arms about that one because you know uh i guess unlike cloverfield they're seeing that as like you know the the follow-up to uh ex machina is like smart sci-fi like you know and this is going the way of netflix but uh from what i read it's because the studio wanted to change the ending they didn't feel that they could market it it wasn't commercial enough and netflix said we'll take that off your hands and we'll leave it as is you have to applaud that i mean that's you know there yeah definitely that's a good thing uh, it is unfortunate that I think in international uh, territories it will just go straight to Netflix here in the states. It's getting some sort of you know theatrical release, but at okay. least you're getting to see the the film that the uh, filmmaker intended. You know, so it's just who cares? Who cares if it's got Netflix in front of it in that regard? I really don't give a shit yeah. to be honest. And you'll yeah, actually so. get to see it. You know, there won't be any sort of neon lights on the screen. For- There's that, you know, you know, I mean, we do have a Cineplex here, but Cineplex is one of those places that does not give a shit about movies. They just give a shit about selling their popcorn mm-hmm. at twenty five bucks a bag. Where you're like, what the fuck kind of planet do you live on? <laughs> where it's twenty five dollars for popcorn? It doesn't make sense. But I don't know. But I mean, how about how about you? You were talking to me about Regal, mm-hmm. and you talking about the the experience there. I remember you mentioning the good dinosaur, where you're actually showing your phone <laughs> to the manager. Uh, you just want this on I mean, the record. <laughs> you want this. I want this on the record because it's a great story. Not only that, because it shows. You no, know, but I mean, I think that there is there has to be some sort of accountability in theater going experiences. And I think that your story is a good one. So I'd like you to tell it. Online. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I was not a fan of the, the good dinosaur and, uh, probably because of that, this is going to sound strange, but it gave me the opportunity to walk out of the, the theater. Cause it was not being projected to, uh, I don't know whose standards, not mine, but I don't think it was being projected to anyone's. And unfortunately I was the only one in the damn theater. So it's all on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got up and I'm like, okay, the, you know, the story's not very good, and this isn't, you know, uh, this is one of Pixar's uh, misses here. But I'm gonna take this opportunity to have a teaching moment with the the, the theater management. And so I pulled out my iPhone. I go and find, you know, some poor kid. I don't bitch at him. Uh, some uh, high school student. But I'm like, you know, who's in charge here? Who's the captain of the ship? And so then they they get a guy who's you know maybe 20 in a suit to come down. <laughs> And so I take him in there and I pull up the trailer for the good dinosaur on my iPhone. You know, I put, pull the brightness up to reasonable uh, level, uh, in this darkened theater. And I'm like, does that look like that? Like, why, why does this look better on my five inch screen than it does on this? Like, you know, and I'm, I'm paying, you know, 10 bucks for you for the privilege of it when I could just, you know, find a torrented copy and sort of adjust the levels here on my phone. And I'm my own projectionist. What what is the point of this? Why am I here? And you know, clearly this is he just <laughs> he apologized, but he just like wanted me to shut the fuck up because he's like this person yeah, is like, crazy. Boy, crazy person. <laughs> are you sure you're not jerking off in here in the middle of the afternoon? You crazy guy. Yeah. What are you doing by yourself watching the Good Dinosaur? And why are you freaking the fuck out about it? <laughs> oh, good thing those kids escaped. <laughs> So, yeah, I am someone that, you know, if I'm unhappy with it, um, like you said, at the very least, when I'm at home, I've got my setup the way I like it. You know, I I can't complain about the way the Cloverfield looks because that's on me if, you know, the brightness is off. Uh, But, you know, that's I do think I agree with your co-host from Atlantic Screen Connection, Lee, that talking about that, you know, eventually theaters are probably going to be appealing to. Uh, people that are diehard about that experience, about that communal experience of seeing something like Cloverfield with a group of people. But because of that, they're going to have to up their game as far as 
the quality of the product they're giving you. They're going to have to appeal to people who are diehards. <laughs> Freaks in the theater watching The Good Dinosaur, pulling out their iPhone, saying, that does not look like this. What's wrong with you? What sort of ship are yeah. you running here? 20-year-old. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's used to watching movies on his phone, so he probably yeah. understood. You know, He was just like, yeah, I get you. The phone's much better. And you're like, that's not what I'm talking about, fuckstick. I'm talking about your goddamn projector up there. I like the screen. Right. You know, but that's it. That's why I enjoy like even um, uh, my experience with The Last Jedi was 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 two different experiences. And uh, I remember going to see it for the first time with my uh, with uh, uh, one of my friends, and we went to the uh, uh, fan event, you know, at Cineplex Odeon, and it just wasn't a fan event. It kind of sucked, you know what I mean? You're paying thirty dollars to go see a movie, you know, on that Thursday night, and you're expecting to see, but you know, popcorn's fucking cold. Uh, you know, the, the, they they don't even give you a drink. They give you these really nice postcards, which is kind of cool. I was able to order the rest of them through Disney because that's the guy I am. And when we sit down in the movie theater and we have to put down on these these 3D glasses, you know, at a Cineplex, the the brightness just goes way the fuck mm-hmm. down. So you're yeah. kind of squinting to watch the movie. Not to mention that those glasses are smaller than the glasses I actually wear. And you're like, come on, man. These are not supposed to be reading 3D glasses where I'd stick on the tip of my nose and kind of <laughs> tilt my head back. You know? I like to imagine you watching Star Wars in that way, though, where you push the back of your nose. <laughs> you know, like a real nerd just sweating through the entire thing. Like, I don't really like that part of the movie. Yeah. But... <laughs> But then after that, I went with my family to see it in IMAX, and IMAX knows how to project 3D, you know? So you put those giant glasses on that cover half your face because they're like, okay, if you're going to get it. And you've got this 60, you know, story screen staring right back at you and all the brightness that's in there. I mean, even when I went to see Blade Runner 2049, that was the experience to see because you're like, holy shit, the colors are perfect. The contrast is fine. Everything is done. You know, it's it's impeccable. And I love the fact that they give a shit about that, you know. And even like the third time I went to see The Last Jedi, there was a dude sitting next to me complaining the entire time. Like, this is stupid. All in French, by the way. And then after that, he he opens up a Budweiser beer. So, you know, I kind of contrast. I was like, well, he's got good taste because he's watching Star Wars, but he's got poor taste in beer. So, <laughs> blows. so you're kind of in the middle of trying to judge this guy. And then he starts burping. The entire time is like I'm getting all these whiffs of fucking beer at like, you know, 12, 15, you know, p.m. And I'm like, what the fuck? I should have just gotten up and walked out and just, you know, I'm like, and he's bitching the entire time. You know, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Shut the fuck up. I'm trying to watch my movie, you know? And anyway, that's the guy you worry about. Not the guy with his iPhone out with a good dinosaur trailer trying to better, better the product for the people trying to, you know, taking it to the man a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I we'll see, but uh, I, obviously Netflix is uh, not done absorbing as much content as as possible. But uh, you know, they're still they're not getting Star Wars. You know, I I, I don't think we're going to live long enough to see an original Star Wars film premiering on Netflix, and I don't think we're going to see a Paul Thomas Anderson film on there. So we're still going to have to have some hope for the theatrical experience. Definitely, but I mean, I think that there's a lot of places like um, you know. Uh, I think production companies are going to have to put their fucking foots down and say, okay, well, if you guys are substandard, we're not going to give us your films. We're not going to give the films. Obviously, that will play against them because they need to make money. But at the same time, it has to be a collective movement in some way because 
if their product is not being shown the way it's supposed to be shown, then it's misrepresentation for them. And I think it sucks because they're doing their best to do, you know, to please a, an audience, an audience that's getting more and more sparse. And yet they're not getting any cooperations from these places that are screening these things. And I think that blows. Whereas Netflix, they're like, okay, everyone's got an HDTV. Everyone's paying 10 bucks a month. We're fine. Everything is shot like this. And if you guys want to upgrade, yeah, there's going to be 4K soon. Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. And it's going to be very easy for them to do that. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, very strange time right now when it comes to, you know, what the movie going experience is going to be. I love going out to see them, though. I love I do going too. out to and see uh, them. And as someone who's not a diehard Cloverfield fan, I, I tried to – <clears throat> I tried to speak out for maybe those that are uh, lamenting this isn't a theatrical uh, movie, but uh, for the rest of us, uh, yeah, this is, it got me to check it out, you know, and I probably wouldn't have, uh, I would I would have been like weeks behind, and after the reviews, I probably wouldn't have checked it out in the theatrical run. So there is that. Uh, Netflix got me for at least a half hour before it was it was nap time, but uh, <laughs> I'll pick it back up. You know, like Twilight Zone, I'll pick it back up. Like it's going to be an episodic thing. It'll be like a TV series, so a little mini series. Uh, Jason, where uh, where can people find you? We're going to wrap this up because uh, I, I don't think we've completed the movement yet. I don't even know if we've started the uh, the spark of the resistance for the for theatrical moviegoers, but we tried. So where can they continue yeah. this battle with you? Uh, you can find me at home on my couch watching Cloverfield Paradox the second time sometime oh, no. this week. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and just laughing my ass off the entire time. But uh, no, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at uh, Jason B. Michael. Don't follow me. I don't answer much anymore. Uh, but you can also find me on Facebook at Jason Michael. Uh, I, send me a friend request. I'll see if I, I want to respond. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean the, the podcast itself is Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. It's a podcast I co-host with Lee Brady, the wonderful Lee Brady from the Brady clan that we mentioned a little bit earlier. And we do deep dives uh, on films. So give us a listen. Um yeah, that's pretty much it. Give me a follow at Projecting Film. Uh, not talking about stuff like Cloverfield, but uh, we do cover independent cinema, which uh, unfortunately for those fine folk uh, usually results in video on demand premieres. So you'll you'll see a lot of movies that maybe you're not aware of, and we try to pitch them to you there by comparing them to uh, two older movies that hopefully you have heard of. So we'll give you some on it, some idea why you should check out this this new independent release and uh yeah projecting film and uh i think we've got twitter handles you know i'll follow back i don't think there's too many people following that podcast yet so uh unlike jason who's uh just no, an all-star no, just so kidding. famous i'll <laughs> no. grovel at your feet you know check out my show how about that and then of course you know jason myself and group of other movie podcasters we are at marcus played pod so uh check us out i don't know what the next episode will be but i'm, I'm hoping it'll be phantom thread i'm hoping i corral someone in to do a phantom thread marcus played because uh, that one, that's important cinema. Not like this Cloverfield trash that we spent <laughs> 45 minutes of your time on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's, uh, it was more about anything else. But uh, you guys can follow at, uh, yeah, the podcast on Twitter, though, at Atlantic SC. Uh, Lee's doing a great job there, and he's going to respond to everything. And if I get a chance, I'll do it too. I was just kidding a little bit earlier. We'd love to talk. <laughs> Clearly, that's what we do. 